Hello and welcome to Fent Show, conversations with entrepreneurs, where they share their challenges and lessons learned through their journey to earning a living doing what they love. I'm Diana Lopez, and welcome. Hello, hello, and welcome to Fent Show. My name is Diana Lopez, and I'm very excited today because I have a remarkable guest with me, Shelly Rosen of Luxbloom. Shelly Rosen is a late-blooming entrepreneur with a transformative innovation in floral. She will talk about the risks, challenges, and opportunities of starting a grossly under-resourced company. Hello, Shelly. How are you today? Hi, Diana. It was so nice to meet you in Mexico City a few months ago. Thanks for having me on your show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm really excited to have you on the show. It's an, it's an honor, really. And well, before talking about your projects, I have a little bit of icebreaker question. What was the first thing that you bought with your own hard-earned money? Well, my first job was babysitting, and I know for a fact that any time I had any money, I would always buy my mother a gift. Oh, that so, is the nicest thing. Yeah, for sure it would be something for my mom. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. You are a, you're not only a great entrepreneur, but an amazing daughter. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you for being here. So for those that don't know you, uh, could you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? When you attend events and people ask you, what do you do? How do you respond? Well, I uh, am a late-blooming entrepreneur with a transformative innovation in floral. I founded Lux Bloom, which is a subscription-based business model, and we provide luxurious, long-lasting rose arrangements to leading luxury businesses like hotels and spas on a recurring basis. The innovation is that our roses need no water to keep their natural beauty and they can last in a hospitality setting up to 60 days without any care. So we are really the firm that is changing the way people buy flowers. Yes, and they are very beautiful, amazing. I had a chance to see an example in, in the event in Mexico City. You guys Thank did an installation, and yeah, kudos to that. And while going a little bit back, um, could you tell uh, the audience, how did Luke's Bloom came into to fruition? You know, before making the, the leap into being an entrepreneur, tell us, like, what was the last day in your job when you actually did the leap, or how was it that you did that jump? Well, I think for those that are interested, I do believe that there's two types of ideation in the world. One is intrapreneurship, which is where you have the chance to work inside of a wonderfully large company, but you have the ability to invent within the boundaries of a safe environment, an environment that has funding, resources, research, people, but you have a chance to create a new product or a new idea. So... My background is I was more of an entrepreneur in various ad agencies and for the McDonald's Corporation, where I led a lot of innovation work and strategy work to come up with some new ideas for the company. I believe strongly that if you're going to start your own business, it's a really great experience to do it under the safety net of, of a big organization that knows how to do it so that it essentially gives you your your MBA, if you will, in how to, how to develop a new business idea or a new company. In terms of why I started Lux Bloom, I really wanted to be a founder and I was obsessed with the business model of the subscription base business model for recurring sales. 
And then I was in search of an idea. So it started with the financial framework of a company to come up with something that had recurring sales. Fast forward to seeing this innovation and finding it actually in England for the first time. I then worked hard to try to find the supply chain and the resources for this very early stage concept and did a pilot and then thought, well, I think we've come this far and maybe it's time to get the party started. I love that. How you started with, um, you knew your business model and you just wanted something to adapt to that. But can you tell the story when you, um, when the, you first knew about the flowers that, you know, there was actually possible for them to be preserved for longer? Well, the, um, for a little bit of background, the Egyptians brilliantly invented the concept of preserving things about 3,000 years ago with a secret sauce of glycerin or sugar water. So they invented embalming, if you will. Yes. Um, the actual concept was invented in Osaka, Japan by the Ochi family. And a man was in the forest looking at the trees in his yard and he saw this color green that he loved and he thought, oh, it would be so wonderful if I could see this color every day. So he cut down the branch and he invented the cocktail, uh, if you will, of the whole idea of preserving. And he thought, wow, if I could do this for a green branch, what if I could do it for flowers? Which if you know anything about the Japanese culture, they love, 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 love flowers, especially roses. Yeah. So the Ochi family is the market leader in the world and they invented it. Um, however, the finest roses in the world really come from Ecuador. And so it's this combination of the finest roses in the world with this invention from Japan that have come together to create this sustainable, no water promise. And what we love and our clients love the most is they feel that they're not compromising the beauty. So we now work with farms in Ecuador to procure and invent colors and sizes of roses that meet the standards of luxury businesses. Yes, and I love that you have grown your business very much. And, you know, we wanted to share with the, with the audience that you have grown your company and now you have clients such as Saks Fifth Avenue and been on the red carpet. Could you share with our listeners a little bit of tips on how to grow and get those types of clients? And I know they're going to love the, the red carpet story. Thank you. Well, I think the first thing that everyone who works at Lux Bloom, especially myself as the founder, is we are obsessed with reporting to our customer. Our customer is our boss. And our customer is, is, is a, a person who leads a hospitality organization and has to procure a lot of things to make for a luxury experience, whether that's sheets and linens or towels or fine glassware, they're buying the best. And so first and foremost, we have to understand what our buyer is seeking. And we spend a lot of time talking to those buyers to ensure that what we create on the product side exceeds and delights their expectations. Secondly, in the luxury business, it's bespoke or custom. The lobby of the Ritz-Carlton at the Lake Tahoe Resort does not look like the lobby of the Ritz-Carlton across from the Pentagon. The same brand but different guests and different designs. So we're very proud that we have the ability to design for the standard of the property 
so that it makes sense and fits into the organization. So the guest doesn't come in and say, oh, why are there cactus in the middle of New York or something <laughs> like that? It would not make sense. Yes. Um, and, and finally, what keeps me up at night is going from the farm in a foreign country to the front lobby of a hotel and all the points of interaction in between to ensure that we really have a quality process um, and that everything arrives as intended as it was designed. So we have systems in place to make sure that happens. We fabricate and make everything in Chicago and we ship it around the country to the, to the final destination. And I love what you said about our customer is our boss. I couldn't agree more. Thank I think you. that's one of the keys to your success. And well, now in this podcast, we don't only want to you know, share successes, but also lessons learned, failures and obstacles. And I would want to ask you, what has been the biggest risk of starting your own company? I think from, for me personally, and I'm a very humble person, is I underestimated in the B2B sector, the business to business sector, how long the sales cycle is. Um, the people we're calling on, our boss, are super busy. They're running a hotel. Yes. <laughs> And they have the act of a thousand small gestures every day. So for us to get them on the phone and really get that one-on-one -on -one personal meeting, it does take a little bit longer than I had anticipated. So I, I underestimated the sales cycle, which is, you know, as a business person, the capital is burning whether you sell or not. Yes. So we pay rent and salaries and so on, and it's burning whether I'm acquiring a customer that week or that day or not. So one of the challenges is to keep the business going while you're working on the, the lengthy lead times. The, the second thing that we've learned a lot is about people. And, and I think for anyone listening, I want to caution you, Somehow people are making entrepreneurship sexy, like it's, <laughs> like it's a layup or it's like fish in a barrel. It's not. And I, I caution people to think, oh, you're going to start this T-shirt company and all of a sudden it's going to be five million. I hope that happens for, for people. I really do. But it's not easy. And so I caution the details and the discipline And also sticking to the aspiration with the realities of how hard it is to get something started literally from nothing. Um, you know, keep your dream, but be realistic about what kind of capital and resources and people you need to, to keep going. And as I started talking about people, I think when people see our operation, it's very beautiful. We're Right now, today, I have, I don't know, a thousand apricot roses on the floor and we're doing something for a Ritz-Carlton. And they're beautiful, but we need to find people that know how to, to, to procure and, and design something with extraordinary you know, quality. And I find that people may want to be here because it's an entrepreneurial company, but not have the details and the discipline to get us to the, to the end zone and to the front lobby of what we need. So we're constantly looking for people that share our vision, if you will, on, on quality. I love that. And I, I completely relate to what you say about uh, business to business sales cycles. But I think that the beauty of your business is that once you have that sale, it's a subscription based sale. So at least you can 
you know, you know what's coming in next month, but you know, when you're trying to grow or do a sales pipeline, then that's when the sales cycle that's really long, that's when the challenge really comes in, right? Exactly. I completely relate to that. And yeah, they're busy. They're running their own businesses. You know, it's like when somebody wants to sell something to you, you're, you know, very, very busy with your company. And even yep. though you're talking to buyers, you know, or, you know, in big companies, it, they're still very packed. But, you know, you're where you are because you have a very quality customer service and product. So I think you're doing exactly. very, very well. Thank and can you. you share with us um, the most challenging moment so far with Luke's Bloom? Oh, gosh. Well, I think the most challenging but that had a positive outcome was we were privileged to receive a phone call from the Walt Disney Company that had been watching us. And they were paying attention to what we were doing. And they called us and said that we have a a movie coming out that's all about a, a key part of the film is about a magic rose. Yes, and I, I was said, hoping well, you would share that story. <laughs> well, I have that rose I, and I have it in red. So knowing the Walt Disney Company, everything is big and a lot of volume. Um, we started talking and they wanted to do the film on March 2nd was the premiere, but it was already December and we import this product and we take, you know, 60 to 90 days to make high volume. So I was hesitant to, I was excited, but with caution because I never personally or professionally make a promise I cannot keep, especially in business and especially with the most creative company on the planet. <laughs> so I called our farms and said, I hope you don't mind, but I'm coming down at Christmas to have a meeting about an opportunity that's going to be somewhat of an emergency. And we have to together see if we can do it because I really didn't know if we could. So with the Ecuadorian government pro Ecuador, our trading partners, they took me to the top, my top farms over Christmas, a holy day in Ecuador and the farmers opened the farm and we had a coffee and we walked the land and I saw their product and I said, look, this is how much we're going to need, and it's an emergency. So at the end of each of the meetings, they all agreed that they could do it. And again, being obsessed about flawless execution, we somehow miraculously made the product and shipped it to the Los Angeles airport to make an export from Ecuador to LAX instead of Chicago where the Walt Disney Company put us up in their Imagineering Center, which is a magical, magical place where they build beautiful sets and very creative people. And they gave us an area to build the red carpet rose wall with 8,500 red roses wow. in a miraculously emergency time period to get to get it on the red carpet. And so from a blank piece of paper and a phone call to Hollywood Boulevard was only about six weeks of time. And, and we were able to, to flawlessly execute it with our partners in this film. My advice for those is never make a promise you can't keep. And I, unfortunately, I was ready to say to Disney, geez, I'd love to do it, but I physically can't. But we figured out how to do it. Secondly is be obsessed with the details. A company that's as prestigious as Disney, our reputation was at risk, and so, so was theirs, because the top movie stars in the film were going to be on the red carpet photographed in front of 
this wall, uh, Celine Dion, Emma Watson, et cetera, et cetera. And we, we didn't want to. How just, real is that's like, you know, coming down the wall. <laughs> right. Which does happen in the heat. But uh, with the team in Imagineering, we figured out how to move the wall after we made it, you know, like 20 miles into and get it built in time. Literally, it was finished at 3.30 and the red carpet opened at 4.30 that day Wow! for, for the premiere. So making a promise you can keep and then working on it with great detail and obsession about the logistics, because it's the only way you can get to the execution to, to deliver your promise. Wow. Well... I'm in awe of this of this project of yours, and I think the um, the audience will appreciate it if they see the pictures. You know, if they saw the the pictures of the red carpet. It it, it was amazing. Thank you. Amazing. We'll be happy to email you something in case you want to post it on all of your yes, medias. we would love that. Before you started your projects, um, was there a moment where you thought that you were not going to go ahead with Luke's Bloom? Was there a bump in the road? that made you thought that you were not going to go forward with this? Yes, actually early on, um, I had just gotten my import broker's license, which is something that, you know, I'm not, I, I wasn't a broker up to this point. I had other companies in my past life that had departments just dedicated to doing, to doing that. Um, I made my first import and it came broken. I actually opened the box and there were rose petals, not roses. They were all broken. Oh my God. And I thought to myself, oh, am I supposed to glue this together? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was very confused. And in working with my farm at the time, I said, I, I'm sorry, but I, I didn't realize that I had to glue them together. And this person said, well, Um, it was a bad batch. And I thought to myself, this is going to be a long road because I was used to a world-class company like McDonald's who understands quality and checking things at the factory and safety standards. And now I'm not working with people that understand the quality of what I need to buy for my intended target, the luxurious brands. So through some various conversations I redirected the, the conversation around explaining what quality meant and what we needed to buy. And we now have supply chain guidelines for all of our farms so that they know when we say quality that we're saying the same thing. Yes, quality control all over. So you and I may have known what I wanted, but I may, I may not have made that clear. So now it's really clear <laughs> what we want. And I also explain for whom so that they know that their roses are going into a really fancy lobby or a red carpet. So they take extra care in making the designs as, uh, of the flowers and the colors as intended. Perfect. I love that you have, like you mentioned, be very careful of the details. You'll be able to see the exactly. quality with that. And while changing the, to the tone a little bit, Let's chat a little bit about continuous learning before we go. And, you know, we all learn from others, and we wanted to know if you have a mentor or a business coach or someone in business that you admire and why. I think um, I really, I really, really admire my customers. What they have to do to serve a luxury guest is, is frankly remarkable. And they have to do it elegantly and gracefully in a suit. So 
if you've ever checked into a hotel and sometimes we'll be doing an installation and the customer's upset or late or disgruntled, to watch how a, a person in the hospitality sector handles a customer is frankly remarkable. And we're part of the Forbes Travel Guide five-star program where they select various brands to be considered to serve luxury hotels. And our, our company was privileged enough to be in that portfolio. And so we get a chance to talk to my boss, my hero, my customer about how they operate. And so we learn a lot really from them as we try to be just sort of this secret that shows up on time, looking exactly how we sold it and makes it easy for them to open the box and put the display out, which really breaks the tradition of how fresh cut flowers works today, where a florist needs to drive over with the water and an apron and take the old floral out, clean the vases and put new floral in. It's basically a carefree product. So I would have to say I learn a lot from my from my customer, a luxury hospitality operator every day. I love that answer. <laughs> and we're looking into the future. What is next for Shelly or what is next for Luxboom? Are you currently cooking up a new projects, a new line of products? Well, we're thinking about some things, but what I'm thinking about is expansion uh, in, in terms of re achieving more more customers on the subscription base in the U.S. and global expansion as we've received a lot of interest outside the U.S. for people that see that we've already figured it out and want <laughs> to be part of the Lux Bloom story. So that's one thing that we're thinking about. Two, I, I will continue to support my female counterparts in, in the entrepreneurial world as, a, as sort of a warrior. A couple thoughts there. We recently hosted 40 women from Africa through a program called World Chicago, where they pick entrepreneurs from around the world to come to Chicago. We spent the day talking about starting your own business, what you focus on, why it's important to understand how your company can make money. And we learned a lot. Some of these women have literally no resources and they're starting jewelry companies in the Congo and, and in Nigeria and Morocco and other places. And it's, it's absolutely remarkable. So to that end, um, I've just been named on the board of a, a program at DePaul University called the Women's Entrepreneurship Institute, which is going to be America's first organization solely dedicated to helping women who have a dream and a business idea make it come to fruition. So it's been tough because the data is there that explains that, you know, VC funds and so on really capitalize a lot of male-dominated companies, and that's fine. We have a long way to go. But my hope is that as a trailblazer and sort of going in the pool first, I can share some of my learnings with young women who really have a dream and, and want to make it come true but don't want to make some of the mistakes that I made Um, and maybe prevent them from doing that so that their business can become a reality. Well, I think that that's admirable. And I think that's um, amazing because you have a lot of your on your plate and still you're doing everything to help women out there. And, you know, it really goes aligned with the mission of, of the podcast here, you know, women celebrating women and we need to help each other. So I agree. Thank you for that. Thank you for letting us be part of your show. 
And thank you for everything that you're doing and on behalf of the other girls. They're going to learn from the best. So I'm a little bit jealous of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, because of you, the storyteller who's making it happen. <laughs> and, well, before we go, you know, we're almost out of time. When it comes to knowledge, what book do you recommend? Is there a business book that really inspires you? There's a, a resource out there that you look for inspiration constantly for your business? Well, one is the word constantly and and um, be be curious. You know, I think Harvard Business School articles in, in the online have the best storytelling with case histories. Either it's Clayton Christensen or... A lot of business leaders talk about what it's like to innovate in a big company, and I focus more on those than I do startups, just because the big companies have sort of, many of them have figured it out, and I learn more from that. I, I also think it's just important to pay attention to what's going on in, in the world. Consumers, what are they wearing, eating? If you start paying attention to trends, they start all adding up. And that's where innovation comes from, this unmet need in the market. And my favorite story is um, in, in the 60s, my mom would take a iceberg lettuce, a head of lettuce, and smash it against the counter, open it up, wash it, put a towel on it, let it dry, and she would make the salad for our dinner. Well, today, moms are super busy. And a company called Fresh Express didn't invent lettuce, but they made it easier for moms to make a salad because the lettuce all comes washed and cut. And all mom has to do is open the plastic and put it in the bowl with how she wants to make her salad. And I want to caution people that everybody out there isn't a Stephen Jobs and going to invent the <laughs> internet. And I'm certainly not that kind of innovator. Sometimes innovation is very small. And it's just taking something that exists and making it better. Or lady that invented Spanx. Our mothers wore girdles. She didn't invent a girdle. She invented a better way to make one for the modern day woman. And she did it with grace and elegance and now it's a multi-billion dollar company. So sometimes ideas are right in front of us that we can take that exist and make better. Or of course, you know, the gentleman in, at Bell Canada that invented the Blackberry who changed the way that we carry our life with us invented the whole idea of a mobile phone with data on it. And so that that's a transformative innovation as far as I'm concerned. So think about taking something that you see and making it better. Or of course, if you have total blank white paper and you're going to invent some new rocket engine, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, go for it. And for all those women out there that they're thinking about launching their business, but Maybe they're, they are afraid or they haven't taken the leap because of resources. What would you say to them? Well, I would say to everyone is to think big, start small, and scale or fail fast. So think clearly about your idea. Will the product or service that you invent make money? And what is it? Make sure you spend time on it. I think there's ways to pilot an idea without saying going into the business. There's ways to test it that mitigate your risk. You know, setting up a business in Illinois, you have to pay, uh, sign up and pay taxes and get a tax ID. Sometimes some ideas that you may have, you may want to test it. Also, somebody may say, oh, excuse me, that they want to work in an ice cream store or they want to own an ice cream store, but they've never worked in an ice cream store. 
Well, my advice is go ask to work in the store to see if you really want to run it. And, and that's free, right? You don't, you don't have to start a store to see if you want to do it. So I think it's important to, to find ways to think about your idea, pilot it first, and then see if it's going to work before you invest all this time and money into something. 98% of all new businesses fail within the first year. That's a lot. That's a lot. It's a lot. So this is not a layup and it's not for the faint of heart. But I think if you focus on your customer as your boss and really think that you have an unmet need and are willing to go to the details and the discipline to make it happen, then your dream will be a reality. I love that. I love how you finished. It will be a reality because it can be done. It just, you know, you need to plan accordingly and never give up. So, well, I think we are out of time, uh, Shelly, but I'm really, really glad that you joined us. And could, before we go, can you tell them how they can find you, your website, and social profiles? Thank you, Diana. You can follow us at, at Lux Bloom Roses, plural, L-U-X-E-B-L-O-O-M-R-O-S-E-S. You can buy Lux Bloom at L-U-X-E-B-L-O-O-M.com. And if upon checkout you want to buy our flowers, you put in friends, fam, F-R-I-E-N-D-S-F-A-M. You'll receive a 10% discount on your first Lux Bloom order. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. It's a great way to try the product. Yes, um, and they are beautiful. And, of course, on LinkedIn, you can follow us. We, we do some storytelling on LinkedIn, more about the business news of our company And you can follow me personally at Shelly, S-H-E-L-L-E-Y. My last name is Rosen, R-O-S-E-N. And if you uh, send an invitation, we'll be sure to accept it. Sounds perfect. Well, thank you very much uh, for sharing your story. It's very inspiring. And I'm sure our listeners will take a lot away, a lot of knowledge. Uh, but most importantly, they will take action. Thank you so much, Diana, for being part of the, the network and the women's entrepreneurial spirit. And I hope that we all continue to support each other and each other's dreams to make them a reality. So thank you. Thank you. See you on the next episode. Bye.